By any standard this side of the wheel, the alphabet, and the knife and fork, the global proliferation of the Italian violin is one of history's great success stories. But the history of the violin is more than the history of a violin. Between 1957 and 1960, two acquisitions caught the attention of Olga Adelmann, a restorer at the Berlin Musical Instrument Museum. Serious attention was clearly indicated if they were to be identified, classified, and, ideally, restored to their original condition after, well, who even knew how many, decades, even generations, of damage, bad repairs, and arbitrary alterations. What was their original condition? How could she restore them without knowing who owned them, who made them, when and where they were made? With their intarsia of folksy hearts, flowers, and geometrical patterns, the new specimens already stood out in any collection. They were just as notable for their broad fingerboards, oddly extended scrolls, and nominally archaic architecture, with extended corners, combined neck and upper block, almost vertical F-holes, and a bass bar carved directly from the top of the instrument rather than added separately. Closer to furniture than to lutery, they were built as instruments were commonly built before the Italian method crossed the Alps, but there was nothing quaint, let alone primitive, about their workmanship. It was equally clear to Adelman that they had not only passed through a lot of shops, but undergone major makeovers by people with a stake in selling them as Italian. The decorations made Brescia a popular cover. Of the two specimens at hand, one was transparently mislabeled as a Gasparo da Salò. The other had no apparent identity at all. Library sources were unhelpful. For the next 30 years, Adelman pursued their provenance from Switzerland to Copenhagen and Brussels on vacation time and almost entirely at her own expense. Her efforts would eventually unearth 21 members of the same family, as well as a surviving back and belly. An unlikely Sherlock Holmes, and still more improbable Javert, she nonetheless brought two inestimable qualifications to the project. One, as her colleague Annette Otterstedt noted after her death, was a candide-like innocence and tenacity that she retained into old age, and which clearly sustained her long after peers and colleagues, including her employer, might have asked whether the search was worth the trouble. The other was an uncommon technical skill, acquired by a fortuitous combination of circumstance and natural inclination. 